Welcome to the Ridley College Chapel podcast. Our mission is to equip men and women for God's mission in a rapidly changing and increasingly complex world. For more information, visit ridley.edu.au. So what's the stupidest thing that you have ever done? We were living on Groot Island in Arnhem Land in the 1980s and um, someone called Keith Hart was a bit of a legend by that time. But when he was younger on Groot Island uh, in the 60s, one of his jobs was to develop a timber mill and he was teaching Aboriginal people how to use the equipment that would cut up the wood. And he was demonstrating one day how to operate the machine safely. He said, whatever you do, don't do this. In our day, he was well known as a man who lacked one of his fingers. When I was in my 20s, I was uh, leading some women's ministry. And one of the things that was really important in that ministry was to help women who are working with low self-esteem. So we talked a lot about how God loved us, how we were precious to God, how we were special. And there's one particular woman who I'll call Sarah, who had very low self-esteem. And I worked pretty hard talking to her about how God loved her and how she was special and so on. Even to the extent that when I went away on holiday, I sent her a postcard saying, you are special. When I came back from the holiday, she met me with a beaming smile. She said, oh, thank you so much. I loved receiving your card and I'm honoured to be your special friend. I hadn't been offering her a special friendship. I'd just been trying to abstractly communicate to her that she was special and I had no idea that she was taking in this personal message, which she was fine to do, but I mistook my approach in a way that really hurt that person. As we read the book of Proverbs, we're introduced at the beginning. We're invited to learn wisdom and prudence, wise dealing, discernment, righteousness, justice, equity, and the fear of the Lord. This advice is for the simple, for the young, for the wise, for the discerning, It's a word to fools, and it's not relating to IQ. We've all known people who had a lot of common sense, but whose IQs maybe were a bit lower, and we've known other people who were extremely brilliant as far as IQ was concerned, but who lacked that uh, discernment and skill in, in living and in relationships. So we're going to look um, at some features of this text, and I like to start with the simple The word here for simple can also mean naive or gullible. And we get illustrations of what this means uh, through the book of Proverbs, uh, beginning in chapter one, where the uh, person being addressed, my child, the young person is addressed, my child, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let's lie and wait for blood. Let's wantonly ambush the innocent. And this simple, naive, gullible person goes, okay, Um, the warning is not to do that. Now, we've all known um, in our school days, maybe, school bullies who have brought other people on board to be part of their bad behaviour. And sadly, in later life, we also have seen where people would be taunting others and drawing others in 
people who are perhaps a bit of an outgroup in some way that people have been drawn into taunting them. Unfortunately, this is not age dependent. The simple, naive, gullible person can be of any age. And this text invites them to learn shrewdness, to learn the skill of, you know, not just being sucked in by someone giving them um, poor advice. There's also advice to the young. Uh, the text offers knowledge and prudence to the young. When Anne of Green Gables is dared by Josie Pye to walk the ridgepole of Mr. Barry's kitchen roof, she agrees to do it. She says, I must do it. My honour is at stake. I'll walk that ridgepole, Diana, or I'll perish in the attempt. Now, she does go up. She walks a little way along the ridgepole. Fortunately, she falls on the side where the Virginia creeper is and she sprains her ankle, but she does not perish in the attempt. And later when she's talking to Marilla, she says, well, you would have known to say no, but I wasn't able to do that. That was my fault. She recognises that she is young and lacks wisdom. You can also lack knowledge when you're young. When I was uh, at school, I became a Christian in second year at high school. And then I changed school. And for a couple of years, I was in a Christian group there, had about seven people. Then the leader left, he graduated, and I became the leader of that group. We were able to grow. We got um, 20, 30, 40, 50 people um, eventually joining our group. And uh, many were new Christians. Most were new converts in the group and other people were seeking to consider whether they would be interested in becoming a Christian. We had some material that we were following, but we didn't have any adult help and we didn't have any older people help. It was just uh, fifth and sixth years leading the group. And some years later, one of my friends said to me, uh, there's some areas of theology that we just never really covered. And I became aware when she was raising that, how we had lacked knowledge at that time because we were young, we just didn't have the experience to have a fully rounded program. The text offers us uh, knowledge of God, of righteousness, justice, and equity. There's some pretty simple things that young people can learn. Uh, it talks about don't move boundary stones, especially of widows, of people who are powerless. Uh, don't use a false balance. You know, don't cheat people in your business. Um, care for animals is something else that's mentioned in the text. There are some just basic um, ways of righteousness, justice and equity that are there for the learning of the young. Something that really surprises me is verse 5 where it says, let the wise also uh, hear and gain in learning and let the discerning acquire skill. Well, I you know, when I was younger, I would, used to think that adults knew everything. And of course, as I got older, I realised that it was probably the opposite. Uh, young people seem to know a lot more or think they do anyway than older people. But I was particularly moved by an older Christian leader, a very senior leader, very much respected, who I'll call David, who was uh, tremendous uh, in apologetics and in uh, Christian education, teaching people, um, you know, orthodoxy and, you know, knocking down things that weren't really a um, good way to go. But um, David started to reflect on the scriptures that talked about gentleness and replying with reverence and respect. 
And he decided that instead of being so pithy and clever and cutting in his responses, that he would respond more gently and more kindly to his adversaries. It doesn't mean he gave up on orthodoxy. He just became more gentle. And I just found this one of the most moving things that I've seen in Christian leadership because this very wise and very respected leader um, chose to learn something from the scriptures in his behavior. The text also invites us to acquire skill. Let the discerning acquire skill. And this word is the word that can be used about battle strategy or about steering a ship in battle. You can't just read the rule book. You have to look at, you know, what what troops are being deployed and what the terrain is like and what happened in the battle last week and what you think will happen next week and how the food supplies are and all that kind of thing. And in steering a ship, you have to look at the wind and the waves and the cloud and the tides and, you know, how much petrol you've got or, you know, how big the sail is or whatever. There's a lot of, and how the mood of the the crew are. There's lots of things to take into account to skillfully um, negotiate that kind of leadership. And this idea of the discerning acquiring skill um, can involve complexity and nuance as it does in leading a battle or steering a ship. The text speaks of understanding a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles, things that might require talking to other people, discussing with counsellors, getting expert advice, iron sharpening iron. Craig Bartholomew, uh, a writer on wisdom literature, talks about pedagogical progression, where the early chapters, chapter one to nine, which are a little bit like a gateway into the book of Proverbs, will often tackle quite straightforward themes like um, don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't sleep through the day's work, um, honour your father and mother's teaching, as it says in chapter one, verse eight. These things that involve individual morality and things that are within your control to step into. But as we go through the book, and especially when we get up towards the end, we start to find that individual morality is not enough. Chapter 28 says, what do you do when the wicked prevail? What do you do when your ruler is wicked? What do you do when things are a bit more morally complex, like a poor person steals a piece of bread from a rich person, how are you going to uh, deal with that? Is that the same as a rich person doing something uh, immoral and dishonest? The last part of the text talks about fools despising wisdom and instruction. And unfortunately, we've seen this in church life and in politics where people disregard expert advice and maybe ignore moral guidelines. Um, they're moving boundary stones, they're using false balances, they're slandering, uh, belittling, belittling others um, and gossiping, these different things which are mentioned in Proverbs is not helpful. Verse 7 also speaks about the fear of the Lord as the beginning of wisdom. Um, but it's not the end of wisdom, it's the beginning. And if we go on through to chapter 2, we see that there's a kind of hermeneutical circle. In chapter 2, we read, that if we uh, make our ears attentive to wisdom and cry out for insight, then we will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God because the Lord gives wisdom and understanding and he guards the paths of justice and preserves the way of the faithful. And then 
we will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. So we fear the Lord as the beginning, and he leads us into wisdom, which includes learning to walk the true way of justice, righteousness, and equity. And that leads us to more knowledge of God. So it's kind of a circle. It's not just start with the fear of the Lord and you're right. You need to keep moving to learn wisdom, which helps you to understand God better, which then helps you to live in a more wise way, in a more just way, a more righteous way, a way with more equity. So we started our time together asking, what's the stupidest thing that you have ever done? And now we might ask, what's the wisest thing that you could do right now? Well, the text invites us, if we're simple and gullible, to learn shrewdness. If we're young, to gain knowledge and prudence. If we're wise, to grow in learning and skill, to get more idea about the complexity and the nuance that is involved in Christian living and in leading others. And all of us are invited to grow in righteousness, justice, and equity. If we seek to fear the Lord, to know Jesus, in whom is hidden all the riches of wisdom and knowledge, then we will begin to gain our knowledge and wisdom, and we'll find also that he is the fruit of our wisdom.